Good morning. I have the good fortune of being a moderator of a panel of individuals who are far more qualified than me, so I'm going to ask them to, to join me. I, I suspect their names are all familiar to you. John Hurricane Group CEO of Banks of Cyprus, Fivos you've just heard from, the general manager of the business division of Hellenic Bank, Stefanos Kassianidis, general manager of the international business banking business of Eurobank Cyprus, and my good friend Emilios Kiarka, managing director and country officer of Greece and Cyprus for Citibank. My name is Frank Miller. I'm a partner at Sherman and Sterling, and I'm a relative newcomer to Cyprus. Uh, I had my first occasion to visit the country when my firm represented the co-op bank in its recent transaction with Hellenic Bank. So I come with a fresh perspective, um, and I'm keenly aware that me and my colleagues on the panel stand between all of you and coffee. So what I'd like to do is say one or two words myself, and then the panel and I will handle a handful of topics trying to build on what you've already heard. And then if there's time, and I hope there will be, we'll open the floor to some questions to make this more of a conversation. As I said, I'm a relative newcomer to, to Cyprus, but I did get a chance to make many visits to the country. And in between spending countless hours at the Ministry of Finance or locked in conference rooms with my clients and others, I did get a chance to go and see the country. Um, and all of the things you've heard from the minister and others uh, came across quite strongly to me. As a lawyer, uh, much like the minister, I try and stay away from numbers. So I like to use words instead. And the words that came to my mind as I reflected on those visits in preparing for today were optimism and enthusiasm and even pride. Uh, as I spent some time in the country, those were the words that I was left with. So I didn't think the question was, is Cyprus engaged in a turnaround? I think the question is, uh, what do we do now that the turnaround is happening? I'd like to add one last thought uh, before I open the discussion with the panel. Um, there's been a terrible, terrible omission in all of the positives that have been described, and it's one that I can speak personally to, which is the food and drink in Cyprus. Uh, and the most valuable lesson that I've learned is never drink any clear liquid after a meal in <laughs> Cyprus. That's about the extent of my contribution. First topic I think we should turn to, and I think we've heard a lot about this, given the recent S&P ratings upgrade, the positive economic outlook, and we've heard a lot about that, the successful completion of the co-op Hellenic Bank transaction, the recent sale by Bank of Cyprus of a very significant NPL portfolio, 2018 appears to be a watershed year for the Cyprus banking sector. I'd like to ask uh, Stefanos if he could start us off by answering the question of what are the key priorities and challenges for the sector next as you look ahead through the remainder of 2018 and into the next year? Thank you very much uh, for Capital Link inviting us to attend this uh, conference. Um, thank you, Frank, for introducing me and for the question as well. Um, uh, as all, all, all of us know that credibility uh, has been affected greatly in Cyprus. 
And we have to admit that restoring it uh, takes a lot longer than to destroy it. Um, I would take um, from the point that um, the minister said at the beginning of uh, the, uh, the event that um, it's great news for everyone that the upgrading of our sovereign debt has taken place. But um, we have to make sure that we avoid the mistakes of the past. Delinquent loans have been kept out and have been on a reducing path, but we need to make sure that we avoid the mistakes of the past. Uh, we feel comfortable as banks in Cyprus that we have taken the measures, uh, the internal processes and procedures, so as to avoid running to uh, credit expansion uh, without the necessary fundamentals. Uh, credibility remains and should be protected at all levels. Uh, management liquidity prudently. Happily, after what we have experienced in Cyprus, all of the banks in Cyprus enjoy healthy liquidity with loans to deposit ratios well below 80%. Um, with interest rates in the Eurozone um, being negatively, we, negative, we need to make sure that we are not carried away and we manage our liquidity prudently. We should not forget our liquidity comes mainly from our clients and we should take into account and protect our clients' deposits to avoid what FIBO said at the beginning that we have lived and seen, which was bail-in, bail-out, and all other consequences, consequences of the 2013 events. We need to continue to be customer-centric. We need to care for our needs of our clients. We see that cross-border, as we speak, banking uh, is coming into our lives with the fintechs that are operating in a less regulated environment, trying to take part of our business. We need to continue invest in technology and innovate and finally, I would say that we as banks, we need to find new income generating business. We need to deliver results for our shareholders. And we need to make sure that we continue to generate profits and we need to invest in business that is not capital intensive. This kind of business can be seen from becoming a wealth management center in the region, servicing the newly established fund industry in the region, work closely with the government to support the shipping industry by accommodating transactional shipping business and making sure that we invest in this region so as to increase revenue streams to be able as the minister said at the beginning, to generate sufficient income so as to carve out slowly, slowly the restructuring of the balance sheet of the banks and of the delinquencies we are facing and experiencing in the market.
so from me, I would say that we have five main areas we need to concentrate. The first one, credibility. The second one, manage prudently liquidity. The third one, remain customer-centric and finding new generating income business so as to deliver the necessary results for our shareholders. Thank you. John, I saw you scribbling furiously as uh, Stefanos was speaking, <laughs> so either you have an additional thought or maybe uh, something to add. We always learn from each other, I think, uh, Stefanos. But uh, look, I, I, I think the key thing about the sovereign upgrade is, is that we have momentum in the country and that we now need to build that momentum to attract investors to try and continue to support the expansion of the Cyprus economy. It's, um, all the things you mentioned are correct. You left out one very, very important thing, I think, which is capital. Liquidity is completely irrelevant if you don't have capital to deploy it. So, and I think what a lot of Cyprus banks don't do is focus on the capital attract, uh, sitting behind the risk. It's got n really, running a bank's got nothing to do with the level of deposits you've got and the level of loans you've got. It's got more to do with how much capital you've got supporting the risk you're taking. And one of the biggest issues in Cyprus banking is that there's a lack of discussion about the capital supporting the risk. Now, I think uh, since we started this journey, I think we've got 70% more capital against each unit of calculated risk in the Cyprus banking system, and that's a very positive thing for confidence, a very positive thing in supporting the growth of the economy, and a very positive thing in terms of the safety of the banking system. So, look, I, I think, um, I, I don't want to repeat everything that Stefanos has said, but I think, you know, the sovereign upgrade is, is not an accident. A sovereign upgrade is a, is, a, is a direct reflection of the efforts taken by policymakers, supported by good and sensible governance in the private sector and a realization by the international community and indeed the watchers of the international community through the rating agencies that Cyprus has in fact behaved impeccably well during a difficult period of its own history. Uh, so, and I think we need to build on that. So it is our responsibility as bankers in Cyprus to make sure that the sovereign upgrade is not wasted but is built upon. And, and that's what I would say in, in support of and, and John, maybe we can stay with you and move just to, uh, I think we've heard uh, a lot of talk about the, the NPL uh, issue that remains. Uh, Bank of Cyprus has just uh, executed a transaction that I think may take us in a new direction in terms of that. If you could talk for a minute about that and maybe we can get comments from the rest of the panel. Sure, look, um, in, we've been in a repair agenda for uh, the best part of five years now in Cyprus. Our bank started, I mean, we, we've, you've seen the country statistics, 27 billion of NPLs down now to closer to 11, but we need to describe how that occurred. Bank of Cyprus started with 15 billion of NPLs, and we are, after the transaction, down to 5 billion covered by 50% provisions. So we've gone from net 10 billion to net 2.5 in a space of four years. That is going some. It's 3.2% of GDP per quarter for 13 quarters in reduction in, in our bank alone, plus a trade which then took another... 20% of GDP of the banking system's balance sheet. Now, that said, we still have five to go. So, you know, and because we've been shrinking the balance sheet, the numerator-denominator dynamics can be sort of unpleasant because as you shrink your balance sheet and as you shrink your non-performing loans, you don't get the same sort of proportional benefit in your, in your metrics. And that is an, an irritant to people like me who have taken 72% of the risk off the balance sheet and still have only half the, the thing started at 63% non-performing loans and was still at 38, having taken 72% off. So I do love numbers, Minister. <laughs> Unfortunately, these numbers are not loving me. Um, so, so look, I, I think the other thing is that we have, we have um, reduced the banking system's balance sheet by the government uh, taking on some of that risk. And we need to be careful that the magic trick of moving 
liabilities from the private sector to the state is, is, is not a done deal. It is the start of the finish. So when I look at what's left in Cyprus and I look at our own business, we have five left, one billion of which is actually cured already and sitting in the definition. We've got another chunk of four billion left after that and that splits into even chunks of a billion each. We have plans for each of those. Maybe we'll do some more trades. The, the laws that were passed by the government and, and parliament uh, over the course of the, last su of the summer are extremely important in strengthening the confidence to finish the job. So I think it is, uh, it is incumbent upon everyone in this panel and everyone who's running a bank in Cyprus and indeed policyholders, policymakers, to make sure that we are given the oxygen and, uh, and support to actually now prosecute the agenda we created through the summer, which is here's all the tools, go finish it because releasing the capital that sits against non-performing loans is essential to the provision of new credit, well-risk well supported in the economy. So 150% broadly risk weighting against a non-performing loan. There's a 35% risk weighting against a mortgage in a household. There's 100% risk weighting against a corporate loan. Tying up the banking system's capital with continuing non-performing loans will dis destroy our ability to further turbocharge and support the economy. That's why we have to finish the job. Secondly, I, I think the, the, the attraction of foreign direct capital into Cyprus to support non-performing loans is a good thing for foreign direct capital and a good thing for Cyprus, but it does hand away significant profits that might have been made in the banking sector to another investor. So while I'm pleased that we were able to do a 5.7 billion uh, contractual balance and a 3 billion balance sheet GBV trade at 1.5 billion, I am not pleased that I haven't been able to make the money I might have made had I held on longer to those assets for my own shareholders, but I am pleased that the country is able to demonstrate that sort of progress. And the last thing I'd say on non-performing loans is that the, the transfer of non-performing loans to the, um, to the government's balance sheet effectively in the creation of a bad bank, while it does cleanse the banking system of those loans, we need to make sure that we prosecute the finish and the recovery of that money for the state. And I think that that needs to be done in partnership with the private sector to keep the focus and effort on making sure that that happens. So I, I think there is a, there's a lot of work still to do. And I think there's good momentum in what we've done so far on NPLs. And I think that we are on the cusp of the finish. But we need to make sure that we keep our effort and our momentum and our focus on the solutions there and not sort of pat ourselves on the back and say, look, look how well we've done. And in, in terms of this uh, new legislation playing out over time, and, and maybe a few of us, you can address this uh, as Hellenic's transaction involves a, a significant uh, feature here. Uh, what are the things you're looking for to see whether this new legislation is really coming to life and being executed in a way that does create that value, uh, either for the state, for the private, or the, or the public sector? Okay, a couple of points. Um, adding on John's comments and replying to your query, is the fact that the mere sale of an NPL portfolio does not make the problem disappear. It makes the problem disappear from a bank's balance sheet, but it remains within the economy. So the legislation is effectively what you really need to get the job done, completed, and get it out of the system altogether. The fact that these loans are sold at a discount of their face value provides the new owners the ability to have um, um, the, the luxury, if you like, of closing these cases with a lower uh, return and still making a profit that otherwise the banks 
would have made, and the shareholders of the banks would be more than happy to get it. So that's number one. Number two is the fact that the, uh, the release of capital that was tied up effectively gives the banks the ability to grow their good book. And here we have to be careful because growing our good book is, is a risk. It's taking on risk and we have to measure that risk and we have to measure the shareholders' return and we have to price the risk correctly, which was something not happening in the past in a very structured way. And this is one of the reasons that led to the, uh, to the, to the problems in 2013. So these are two very critical factors that we have to bear in mind. And the legislation is there to help both the banks as well as the government, uh, who has a portfolio of bad loans uh, sitting in its balance sheet, as well as the new owners of NP loans to recover what they have to recover. So thank you for that. I, I, my observation, again, as, a, as an outsider, a newcomer, is that the, the NPL situation can be a source of confidence building. Uh, an, another area, just to, to move on the discussion, is uh, something we've heard about already in, in terms of compliance and transparency, another area where you can really establish credibility and confidence. Uh, and it's a priority for financial institutions around the world. Uh, perhaps, Emilios, you could address, from your perspective, where does Cyprus stand in terms of creating the right culture of compliance uh, the aspects of good governance that we're seeing evidence of that's boosting confidence. Thank you, Frank. I think the um, overall recovery discussion that we have been listening since this morning resonates well with the um, overall AML and KYC infrastructure and, uh, and efforts uh, to improve in Cyprus because compliance has become a central theme for the entire financial sector. This has been the case the last uh, 10 years. 10 years ago, you wouldn't hear a Minister of Finance uh, addressing an investor audience and referring specifically to the compliance of the country to AML and KYC, but this has become the case today. One has to read the front pages of Financial Times and, uh, and the recent cases in, uh, in Northern Europe to see how compliance has, uh, has gained a seat on the table. Uh, of any strategic planning, and therefore this is something to be considered and, and, and addressed. And Cyprus has taken decisive steps to get there. We are the largest U.S. clear for the, for the island, for the country, and we have been observing sig significant steps uh, uh, taken uh, to improve the overall um, infrastructure and uh, also the, the adherence to global best practices. In fact, Cyprus now ranks among the best globally in, in, in its AML structure and its AML uh, compliance. We see that there is um, a very senior, we observe on the island that there is a very senior sponsorship. We see the government, we see the regulator, we see the senior management of the banks, uh, commitment to, to improve and get uh, out of the reputational issues that have plagued the island for years. We have seen commitments in terms of investments. We see staff added to the compliance departments. We see systems added. We see uh, international consultants being engaged. And therefore, there is a very visible and marked 
improvement in the overall addressing of, uh, of the AML and compliance issue. Uh, it's no accident that Transparency, Transparency International for the first time ranks uh, Cyprus overall uh, infrastructure on AML um, ahead uh, of uh, well-known Western uh, economics like the US and the UK. It's the first time also that Cyprus is out of the list of high-risk countries of the United States Department of State in terms of, uh, of uh, referencing to high-risk uh, jurisdictions. We see that the banks themselves have taken significant steps to de-risk their balance sheets from potential AML issues. International business have been uh, downsized. We see uh, the referral system being stricter and, uh, and more visibly uh, adhering to the international best standards. So yes, a marked improvement. Cyprus is definitely uh, leading the way in terms of best practices uh, on this sector, and we expect that should continue with the sponsorship it has. Thank you, Frank. Stefanos, I saw yes. you looking up at me. I think you've yeah. got some. Uh, I would like to add what, to what Emilio is saying that uh, Manivar, the permanent monitoring body of the Council of Europe, which has, as of October 2017, carried out four reviews of the system in Cyprus in this area, found that the Republic of Cyprus is in full compliance with relevant international measures and that parts of the Cypriot legislation are in fact stricter than legislation in other countries. We expect a new review by Manival in May 2019, and we are pretty confident as banks that we've passed the new review with flying colors. And um, I have to say that um, the remark made by the Minister of Finance about opening an account in Cyprus, uh, please indeed make a try, and um, most of uh, the people that they try to do this, they will, realize, they will realize that the level of information they need to submit for onboarding uh, and uh, being accepted as a client is considerably higher compared to other jurisdictions. I see a few uh, clients in Cyprus that uh, they are um, smiling uh, with uh, that in a way that confirming what I am saying and that they are having trouble with us uh, banking compared to opening accounts in other jurisdictions. John, is it right? I can't just put down Stefanos's name on my bank account application and clear sailing. I, I think it's very important we hit this issue on the head because there is a, an in-history stain on Cyprus's reputation as being loose in terms of how it has done banking in the past, and I, and I think it is an unreasonably held stain. If you look, people talk about Cyprus as being a, a, a safe haven for, for Russian tax avoidance and indeed Russian money, and this is just nonsense. Um, the, the Russian tax rate is 13%, Cyprus is 12.5%. Nobody does tax arbitrage for half a percent anywhere in the world unless they're dealing in you know, ridiculous numbers, and that's not the case. Secondly, 6%, if I speak for my own bank, 6% of our deposits, that's 0.6%, is Russian. We don't need the Russian deposits. They have been dramatically reduced. There is a very little reliance on this source of funding in the system in Cyprus. 
the number of, of clients that we have closed down and, and changed nature of relationships over the time has been dramatic over not just the last five years, but actually has been changing. And indeed, in the United States, where you have some fantastic pieces of Senate and Congress activity going on, um, we, 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 we hear mention of names like Manafort and various others, um, and we hear Cyprus mentioned at the edge. Every time we investigate these things, we find that we've behaved properly and appropriately in the context of those names and those mentions. And, and I think it is very important that we don't become a story of when, when actually the story is not Cyprus. So, so I think just in this context, given we're in the United States and given we are observing the, the, the fantastic circus that, that sometimes is around Senate hearings, etc., I think it is important for us to touch on some of these things and, and, and remind you that Cyprus is doing everything it can to be utterly compliant and utterly conscious of the extraterritoriality of the United States when we touch dollars. And, and indeed, when we touch euros, which relate to clients who are in trouble in dollars. So we take, our, we take this responsibility very seriously. We take it seriously because it's the right thing to do. And actually, we take it seriously because we need to ensure that the country is not damaged by any form of reputational damage that can be caused by bad practice in any of the financial institutions across Cyprus. And, um, and we certainly take it very seriously in our bank. And indeed, this is my number one US dollar clearer sitting beside me. And I need to make that speech in front of him. And hopefully, he records it and brings, it, brings it home. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Uh, to, to leave I a little. Like, uh, just Sorry, one go ahead. Minute, Frank, what I would like to add on the um, deposit ratio. Um, by uh, John about the 6% deposits from the Russian market. I would like to say that in 2011, around 50% of the deposits in Cyprus were non-resident deposits. As of September 2018, this ratio has come well below 25%. So one-fourth is a non-resident deposit basis. So it's, it's a verification that that the, the, the banking system the, is, uh, has changed dramatically as far as um, reliance on deposits and liquidity. Yeah, just a closing remark. This is a classical case of uh, from the top. And the top is not the top within each bank. It's the top within the country. Uh, is the top within the country, is the top within the supervision of the banking system, is the top within each bank. All this matrix has created a high uh, compliance awareness. And this has helped. We are not done yet, but we have covered enormous ground on this. And this is reflected on every bank's PNL, where the income arising from this sector has shrunk enormously. And this is the right thing to do. I, I wonder if we can stay with that thought just as we close the topics and hopefully leave a few minutes for questions. And, and maybe, Pivos, if I can stay with you for, for a moment. Just if we were to look ahead, uh, maybe I'm asking you all to look in your crystal ball, um, three to five years down the line, what would commentators look back to now and say, were the key bits uh, of the, the either the public sector or private sector activity that really made the sustainable turnaround uh, so remarkable for Cyprus. What, what do you foresee are the things that we ought to be focused on now that, that will uh, be to our credit when we get that far down the road? Not an easy question, but um, definitely lessons learned. The lessons learned effectively dictate the way forward. And the way forward is to maintain the public finances in order to keep a balanced uh, 
uh, income and expenditure at government level, at state level, and this is something that we already observe. This is an extremely positive development. As far as the banking sector is concerned, um, my view is a, a back-to-basics view. Back-to-basics in the sense continue doing what we understand, what we can manage, uh, what we can control, and what falls within our reach. Um, uh, credit expansion in areas and activities that are not so uh, close to our culture, to our understanding, and to our behavior uh, creates risk, which in my view is unnecessary and will not necessarily yield the expected return. So we have to stick to the basics. John, how's your crystal ball these days? What do you look ahead to, to see? I think the banks in Cyprus have two agendas. They have the repair agenda and the renewal agenda. And the repair agenda is underway, well advanced, but not yet finished. So we need to look back and say we finished the job on that. The second thing is on the renewal agenda, the business model and the paradigm shift is occurring quite rapidly in Cyprus and indeed across the world, that our customers are moving from a physical infrastructure to a digital infrastructure. So I think if we have invested well in, in the establishment of customer behavior movement from the physical to the digital, and we have focused on our business model to take cost out of it, and indeed to make sure that we don't uh, allow sort of bad practices on lending and the usual stuff to get, get come back into the market, then I think we'll have learned the lessons well. I, I, I think the, I would agree with Phoebus, back to basics is very simple. I, I, I have a phrase which I think is a very important one to, to repeat, which is we need to be ruthlessly simple about how we do our business. Banking is the oldest business in the world. It's very simple in its construct, and it's made complex by people doing things badly. And what we have to try and do is make sure that Cyprus banks, it, banks those that come to Cyprus for what they do in Cyprus, and banks those that live in Cyprus for how they live their lives. And banks will become financial hubs as we move forward, more so than just being basic financial institutions. Now, I think the issue for Cyprus is one of size. As, as we are, are held to the same account as the other 120 uh, SSM regulated enterprises, there's a level of basic infrastructure that a bank has to have in place, and that basic infrastructure is expensive to put in place. So we need to try and create a business that in five years' time is not just addressing Cyprus, but moving its addressable market to a wider one which can make Cyprus's banking system relevant to a European banking union. Now, whether that comes in five years or 10 years, it has to come if we're to have Europe as a successful place where cross-border it becomes a discussion of the past and Eurozone becomes a discussion of the future and shared infrastructure in jurisdictions which offer competitive, you know, highly skilled workforces becomes serving more than Cyprus but actually serving Europe. So I, I think there is, we've got to be ambitious about what we want for Cyprus. We've got to be smart about how we create it and then we've got to go and prosecute it. Stefanos, ruthless, ambitious, smart, these things you endorse? No, I have to agree with um, both Fibos and John that, that we need to stick to the basics uh, and we need to keep things simple. Uh, there's no need to uh, get into unnecessary risks. Uh, obviously, uh, the education of our existing clientele to move to the new era of digitization is an important um, factor that will assist banks to uh, greatly reduce costs, as we saw at the initial presentation carried out by FIVOS. It looks that the Cyprus banking system is overbanked. Uh, we have a lot of work to do there. Um, regulatory issues that we have to address on a daily basis, the list is increasing. 
and it create and it's a burden, I will say. I don't know how the other bankers they feel about this. Uh, so uh, this will enable us uh, to, if we keep simple, to add uh, real value to our shareholders and avoid unnecessary mistakes. I would like to reiterate once again that credibility should be protected at all cost. It takes a long time and a lot of sacrifices to, be re to regain credibility and it can be easily and quickly destroyed. Emilios, do you want to leave us with a, a, a thought about what excites you uh, about the country for the three to five year perspective and then maybe we have time for a question or two. I quickly say that just uh, the problems are behind. I mean, NPL is certainly remains uh, there, but I think, and I agree with John, a top line, NIM, and operating efficiency should be the three pillars on which uh, the industry focuses uh, to get to the next 10 years. All right, well, th thank you all. I, I do see the clock has a, a minute or two left. If there is anyone with a question, you can shout it out. I can repeat it and we can see if we get a comment. Question in front, oh, there's a microphone, so just wait one moment. I would like to ask uh, the panel how they view uh, the real estate market in uh, Cyprus. I mean, it's, we see an, um, an unbelievable number of new projects going on, which is a vote of confidence for Cypriot economy and the prospect. And this is good for growth. But are there any worries there? Are we going too fast? Uh, will, will we manage to avoid the oversupply of new buildings? So real estate, John? Well, I start with that. So look, we've sold um, <clears throat> 667 million euros of real estate since the beginning of 2016 and 770 something of individual properties in that basis. We're currently marketing 1.3 billion euros of real estate and about this equal number of actual properties as well. We, um, the Cyprus real estate market is extremely liquid. If you look at um, la last year alone, the number of transactions registered at the land registry, and indeed, if you add on the companies that have transferred with property in it, Cyprus real estate markets something of the order of six billion in uh, of value and 24,000 individual transactions last year in Cyprus. These are, these are huge liquid volumes. So there is a very liquid active real estate market, the majority of which is funded and transferred locally using local money albeit that we're seeing a large influx of foreign direct investment as well into, into Cyprus. And I think what you're getting at is some of these large buildings in Limassol that are selling for unbelievably high prices and add that to the casino and add that to a variety of other things. Are we seeing either a two-tier market or are we seeing an oversupply that ultimately will end in a, in a, in a problem for, um, for Cyprus values? And I, and I think the answer to that is, 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 is a, little more, a little complicated but positive the sense that some of these larger uh, expensive per meter uh, units in, in Limassol are being funded entirely with equity. They're not being funded with bank debt. The construction on these tends to be covered by the deposits received from overseas people wishing to own this real estate and the banking sector in Cyprus is not exposed to that risk. And even if we are exposed to that risk, we tend to be exposed to the construction risk, not the sales price risk, and they're quite dislocated. So I don't believe that at this moment in time, despite some of the unnerving uh, prices on some of the real estate in Cyprus and indeed some of the, the wish to build large towers and many of them in, in, in Limassol, um, I think at this stage it's under control because the supply is not being financed by the banking sector. So even if it were to come down in value later, you will not see the consequences of that in the system. You will merely see the, the loss of people's foreign capital in 
number. And actually, if you look in, in we, we, we monitor this, in, in, and I won't go into great detail, but we monitor this across the, the, the 600 parishes of Cyprus by asset type, and we have a very clear what's going on across all of those um, things. And because we did our NPL trade recently, we've refreshed all this information. And, and actually, what we're seeing is, 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 is all markets, so whether it's Limassol or whether it's Larnaca or whether it's um, Paralimni or whether it's Nicosia or Paphos, we're seeing slightly different dynamics in each of those markets in the commercial space and in the, in the retail space or the residential space, but we're seeing mostly positive momentum. The place where we're, where we're seeing a little bit less momentum in sort of the second-hand market is in Paphos, but again, we're seeing that beginning to pick up in recent times. We're seeing, we're seeing an undersupply of property in Nicosia, which is why you're seeing more property actually getting built there now. We are certainly seeing things tra um, changing hands at high prices in Limassol, and we're seeing Larnaca starting to rise and come up, and indeed with the building of the Ayanapa Marina, in, in, which is Egyptian money uh, in, uh, in, in Ayanapa, we're seeing the whole surrounding area property prices begin to be supported as well. So, so I think the answer is a complicated answer, but I think it's at this moment in time an under control positive answer because foreign direct investment is bedrocking a future set of industries which bedrocks property prices around those industries and, and I think that's only positive right now. I, I get the sense that we could probably talk about a number of other topics but I'm keenly aware of the flashing light in the back and the coffee percolating in the lobby. Uh, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. On behalf of the audience, I thank each of the panelists for their contributions. Thank you all.